from Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 to 21. Exodus 15, verses 1 to 21. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord: "I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. Both horse and driver He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense." He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord. Was majestic in power, your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw them, threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger; it con- consumed them like a stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up; the surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted. I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm. They will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord. Until the people you bought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns for ever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord. Brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourine, with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, "Sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, He has hurled into the sea." This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. Let's、uh, bow our heads and pray together. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Please, Father, show us today you know, your glory. Help us respond in praise and trust. Help me to speak and us all to、uh, to listen with open and warm hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. A bit higher. And. Clicker, great. Now today is the last Exodus sermon for a while. We'll take a break after today, 
But I think it's a great way to finish, isn't it? These are extraordinary events that are just remembered countless times throughout the Bible, isn't it? The, the Red Sea, we all know this story. In, in many ways, it's just a climax of what we've seen uh, many times. Uh, we've seen God already show his superior power in the plagues, and this is just yeah, the climax, right? Uh, he's rescued his people already out of Egypt, and this is just, a, again, the climax. This chapter fits right in. It's so wonderfully directed. Israel is helplessly trapped by the Red Sea. Pharaoh pursues them with all his chariots, the advanced weapons. He goes in for the kill, but God shows his amazing power and just yeah, parts the Red Sea, rescues his people, smashes their enemies, humiliates Pharaoh. Uh, yeah, wonderful. Uh, because it's similar to a lot of stuff we've seen before, um, yeah, there's a lot of points I could say uh, that I've said before, so uh, listen to those sermons. But I think the interesting thing here, uh, in chapter 14 and 15, is that we kind of stop after 14. We get this song, right? The action doesn't continue. We stop and we get a song, Moses and Miriam's song of praise at the Red Sea. And it kind of shows that we need to stop. And we need to listen and we need to respond to who God is and what he has done. I guess we often struggle with that. We struggle to praise God. We struggle to rejoice always. So I think today uh, I want to focus less on the action but more on the way we should respond from, uh, to what we've seen. But of course we can't respond if we haven't looked at it. And so let's, uh, let's look at this song and what... Moses singles out that we should see in chapter 14. What, should, what do they praise God for? And uh, yeah, I think we've seen it in verse 3. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Uh, the Lord our warrior. Ah. Sorry, turn it on first. The Lord our warrior. Actually, this word warrior comes up quite a few times if we'd have chapter 14 read. When Moses talks to the people, uh, 14 verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the salvation the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And when the Egyptians are, uh, yeah, they fall off their chariots, they're trapped, end of verse 25, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The word fighting and a warrior, it's it's the same word. That is what they uh, pick out. The Lord is a a man of war, a fighter. Now, this sounds like God likes to pick fights with people, right? But that's not what it means. It does mean that he can fight and, if needed, will fight. The thing is, fighting can be a good thing, right? We watch superhero movies. And there's a lot of fighting there, but it's good, right? Because the superhero saves people. If you fight injustice, that's a good thing. And what is this? Well, God fights on behalf of the helpless. Here is a bunch of people who need someone to fight for them. A group of weak, tired, helpless slaves. uh, Trapped. And the most powerful army in the world with advanced weapons is going to get them. They've got absolutely no hope. They're doomed. 
But God steps in and fights for them. Right? He, he cares about his people. He won't let them be attacked. He is willing to step in and do what is needed. He won't give up until the job is done. Yeah? And until the attack is over. And God, yeah, of course, if God is on your side, he's the most wonderful warrior you can have. And this song just celebrates the victory. Yeah, verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he is hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. Yeah, the most powerful army is nothing. Yeah, verse 7, in the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. Uh, verse 10, you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And of course, that shows how great he is. Eh? Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And it's wonderful that God rescued them. Of course, it's a rather violent song. Uh, this is a, a kid's video, but rather violent, maybe. All those dead Egyptians. It's true that this is a song that, yeah, in a way it praises God for drowning thousands of people. But the thing is, these are not innocent people, right? God fights against evil. Listen again to verse 9 of this song. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword. And my hand will destroy them. Had the Egyptians wanted to, well, enslave or destroy Israel. And God stopped them. That's a good thing, right? I mean, would you like God to just leave them alone? You know, I, I'm a God of love. I'm not going to hurt anyone. I will leave the Egyptians in peace to commit genocide. That's fine. No. That's not a God of love. Right? We, uh, we support Christian action, uh, a charity. Uh, what are some of the things they do? Well, they, they sue Hong Kong citizens and take away their helpers. That's not a very nice thing, right? Except that these are helpers who are being mistreated or abused. They are helpless women at the mercy of abusive employers. And they help them get justice. They help them to be free from these abusive people. That's a good thing. And love is not to sit by while evil goes on. Love is to, to fight and to take action. And it's good for us to think, you know, how can we take action in loving people and not just sit idly by? It's great that God fights against evil. And, you know, the truth is evil doesn't stop. Real evil, you see the Egyptians, they just keep on going. They don't stop, Right? Evil will continue unless it is stopped, and that means fighting. And the New Testament is no different. It talks about Jesus as, as fighting, because we are enslaved. We are oppressed by sin and death and the devil, and Jesus steps in and fights for us. It talks about him destroying the devil. It talks about him um, disarming the powers and authorities. It's war language. You see him on the cross and you think he's a helpless victim. Not at all. He is fighting for you. Uh, at some previous churches I've been at, there was this uh, song by Stuart Townend from the squalor of a borrowed stable. And it, it's, yeah, it talks about Jesus in this way. 
We sing, he fights for breath, he fights for me, loosing sinners from the claims of hell. And with a shout, our souls are free, death defeated by Emmanuel. That is the gospel. Jesus does what we cannot do, defeating death, defeating the devil. And aren't you thankful and joyful? Evil has been defeated. As we sang last week, death is dead, love has won. It's wonderful that, yeah, Jesus comes to fight for us and that God is, yeah, a warrior. But we've seen that already. Uh, We've seen a lot about knowing God. The thing is, what should this do for us, this wonderful truth? And I think from this song, the first response is obvious, right? Sing his praise. Sing his praise, because that's what the people do here. God does this amazing thing for them. He rescues them, and so they, they sing praise. They see what God does, and they say, wow, amazing. Lord, you're so glorious. You've done this for us. Joyful singing, a joyful yeah, response. And I think this is, I don't know if you've thought about that. This is quite unique, right? Christianity is, I think, the only real singing religion. And the Old Testament is, is full of singers in the temple. All the churches have always sung. When you see heaven in Revelation, what goes on? Lots of singing. I think if you go to the Buddhist temple, do you see a lot of singing there? Do all the Buddhists get together and, and sing for joy? I don't think so. I mean, they, there's some chanting to go with the offerings to make the gods do something. Maybe there's chanting to get you ready for meditation. I don't know. But a response of joy? That is unique. Because Christianity is unique, you know? The gospel is about what God has done, not what we do. Singing is a response to what God has done. It's not that Israel were singing and so God came down and rescued them. No, God came down and rescued them first. And then they sang in response. That's the right thing. God saves them. And they respond with praise and and thanksgiving. That is what, uh, yeah, the right response. So the question, yeah, does the gospel make you praise? Because that's what we should see. eh? Is this your response? And we had Easter last week. We remembered. Did you feel joy? A deep joy at what, what God has done in, in rescuing us? Or do we just nod and say, yeah, yeah, it's great, but we're not really excited? Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous thing if we're not excited. Certainly the Israelites, by the end of the chapter, they're grumbling. And it didn't end well for them. Why don't we praise God more? Why don't we sometimes think it's uh, why, why are we blasé about it, complacent? Maybe you don't think it's that amazing, right, that Jesus came and, and died and rose. It's nice, but, you know, it's, it's just what God does. Don't you think it's amazing that the Son of God did this and came down and the immortal God became a human and died to save people? And not just to save anyone. This is not a distant thing. Maybe the gospel just doesn't move you because you don't think it's, it's for you, right? Because God actually came and died for you, for your sins, for your salvation. That should, that should move us. And again, we, we were helpless, right? We couldn't save ourselves. If we could save ourselves, maybe it's a bit of an extravagant thing, but we, 
it doesn't make the same thanks. But if we couldn't save ourselves, if we were enslaved to sin and death, oppressed by the devil, and Jesus came and rescued us, wow, it should make us praise him. And not just praise him. Uh, Beyond praise, there's a second response. Trust. Trust his promise. Uh, It's a... I guess that's what we get at the end of chapter 14. So all this happens, the Red Sea, 14 verse 31, what is the result? And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now certainly they feared the Lord, right? If, if God can do this, wow, he is, uh, he's big, <laughs> But we thought about that already with the plagues. The thing here is they they put their trust in him. They finally believed. After their doubts and their complaints of the previous chapters, now they believe. Now they they see God and trust him. And they think, yeah, I I can follow him. It's not just in that verse. It's quite big in this whole chapter because it's, well, it's looking forward a lot. At the end of chapter 13, we didn't read that, but we look forward. They just come out of Egypt, but then it starts to talk about kind of the pillar who is with them and how they're going to go to the uh, to the promised land, because they're not there yet. Yes, they're out of Egypt, but there's still a long way to go to get to the promised land. And we see it here in the song. Because from verse 13 onwards, we're looking to the future. Verse 13, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Eden will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Uh, These are people they haven't met yet. These are people they will meet in the future, but they already sing, you know, uh, they're trembling, and God will lead us to his place. Why do they praise God for something that hasn't happened yet? Because they trust him. And they know, well, if God can do this, he can bring us there. If he, he can defeat Egypt, he can defeat the Canaanites. He can bring us home. And so this, this song is full of trust. Of course, yeah, do we trust, right? And we see God's great power. We've seen his death and resurrection, Jesus' death and resurrection. Do we trust him that he's on our side? Do we trust him that he will bring us home? I guess, well, it's it's sometimes difficult in life, isn't it? Maybe it's uh, your sin and you still wonder, will God accept me? then you maybe you're not trusting that Jesus really did enough for you. Or maybe it's just the way we focus on this life now. And we really want to make sure we get our education right and money and pleasure. It kind of suggests that we think this life is, is all there is. Right? If you really believe that you would live forever with God, then this life becomes a lot less important. But maybe we, we're not sure. I mean, do we doubt that Jesus has dealt with death? Yes, he he can defeat death, but I'm not sure if he can help with my exam. 
Do you think God can't raise you? Do you think his promises has changed? That if he gives up his son, but now he's not going to save you anymore. So that just in case we need to have the best life now. No. And we can be confident of the future. We, we can trust him. But I think the problem with both of these, both praise and trust, I don't think it's anything that we doubt. My guess is we're just too busy, right? Life is oppressive in Hong Kong. Life is busy. Work is busy. If you're a teenager, you're, you're swamped by homework. You just don't have time to think about Jesus. And so the, the cross and resurrection is, is out of sight, out of mind, and we just follow the people around us. People who have no hope, people who have no one to fight for them, and so they need to do it themselves. But you don't. And so, yeah, the application, we've seen it before, we need to remember, right? Remember what God has done. Keep reading your Bible. (laughs) Take time each day. Uh, Encourage one another. Read together. Come to church and be reminded. Take communion. Not because God needs us, but because we need him. And that should hopefully make us joyful and trusting. But I think there's a very important way here that uh, we can be, that we should remind ourselves. And I think that's a good way to finish. How do they remember the Exodus? How do they remember the Red Sea? It comes up a lot in the Bible, but it comes up in the words of this song. And maybe verse 2 sounds very familiar, right? The Lord is my strength and my defense, or song. He has become my salvation. It's in the Psalms, it's in Isaiah. Why does the same verse keep coming? Because songs make you remember. It's not just that we see God do something and we praise him in song, but the songs remind us. And so we want to remember, why don't we sing? Why don't we sing? I'm sure if the Israelites were singing, they wouldn't uh, have grumbled about the water. They wouldn't have uh, doubted that God could bring them to the promised land. That's why this song shows up so often. So if you feel cold, if you struggle, why don't you try and sing? Can you sing a song in your quiet times? Can you sing a song on the way to the MTR? Not too loud. It should do wonders for you. I'm not saying that if, you know, you're going through a really tough time, you've been bereaved, that you just sing a song, it's all okay. But most of us, our life is just uh, busy. Why don't we sing? Of course, it needs to be a good song, not just a song about us. You see, this song, it's all about God. It's not about me and how I feel and what what I do. It's about God. And also, it's not just about who God is. There's three verses about who God is, but 15 about what, who, what God has done or what he will do. And, and that matters, right? We've seen in Exodus, we know God by what he does. So don't just sing, your love is wonderful. How do we see that love? We see it as, well, supremely as Jesus died on the cross. So why don't you this week think, what is your favorite song? Your favorite song about the cross your favorite song about what God has done in Jesus, and try to sing that. Meditate on it, go through it until you have real joy, until you really 
yeah, trust God. Until you think, yeah, everything is fine because God is a warrior and he's on my side. And why don't we go and do that now? Uh, it's time for our, uh, our song, actually. After this is communion. If you're here and you have children in rainbows or splash, this is the time for uh, you to pick them up. Um, explorers will come by themselves after the ushers have alerted them. Um, but we're going to sing. Also, this is our offering song. Uh, we're going to, uh, yeah. Uh, this is the time for the church family to give to the work of the church. If you're a visitor, it's great that you're here, but uh, you don't need to do anything. Please just receive and let the bag pass by. But uh, for the church family, this is uh, our offering song. And we're going to sing, Behold Our God. And let us adore him, especially, ultimately, for the cross. Let's sing together. <laughs>